Welcome to Cosmic Brilliance and today's show titled Accessing Your Akashic Records to Understand Your Soul's Purpose and Plan. Now, accessing your records is one of the most important self-empowerment tools on this planet. So this show, part one with guest Lisa Barnett, is geared for people new to this topic and for all family, ages, and members. This information literally allows you to reclaim your soul's birthright. Folks, if your kids are living at home, like most are, <laughs> bored and stressed out of their minds, they need an Akashic Record reading. Did I ever tell you I was bossy? They need an Akashic Record reading to regain the full map clarity of their soul's intent and mission to fully understand with compassion their present life challenges and what they need to focus on presently. Everyone needs clarity, right? And having one or two good Akashic Record readings can equal years of regular therapy. So especially by someone who is as unconditionally loving as my guest, Lisa Barnett. Now, I first heard about Lisa from two dear client friends, Janet and Tim, who had had sessions with her, and they found her roadmap that she provided for the soul extremely helpful. Now, Lisa is an example of someone who is very grounded and who is living her purpose. Longtime marriage, mother of four, international best-selling author of the Infinite Wisdom of the Akashic Records, and from Questioning to Knowing, 73 Prayers to Transform Your Life. This is two of her books, so that you know, and uh, also a brand new book, Your Soul Has a Plan, Awaken to Your Life Purpose, will soon be available this fall 2022 on Amazon. She's also the founder of the Akashic Knowing School of Wisdom, where she has taught thousands of students worldwide to access their personal soul plan and receive guidance working directly with Akashic Record Keepers. And you'll find out who those are in a minute. With more than 20 years of experience in Akashic readings and quantum healing sessions, Lisa helps clear outworn soul contracts, traumas, release karma and vows, and remind you of your unique soul path that you agree to do as a soul in this present life incarnation. And many of us forgot and are in the process of just re-remembering. What could be more important than that, really? I feel very fortunate that Lisa has agreed toward the end of this show to guide us all through a process that will release our outdated soul contracts and vows that we no longer need in order to step forward free to live our best life. So with that, welcome, Lisa. I'm so happy you're here today with your loving and playful presence. Oh, thank you, Marilee. I am thrilled to be here with you and everyone. Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, let's get right to it. And I'm going to have you define for our audience what the terms Akashic Record means. Absolutely. <laughs> so your Akashic Record is the recording of your soul's journey through all time, space, continuum. Like, wow, it's a lot. <laughs> and 
the way the record keepers explain it, they say is when we individuate from source in that moment, everything we do and are every place, earth, planet, other dimensions, everything we are is recorded in this etheric energy that we call the Akashic record or Akasha. Now, Akasha is actually a Sanskrit word that means or translates roughly to sky or ether. So um, if you can imagine that that ether is the quantum field of the all, it's recorded in that energy and space. And for us humans, it's usually easier to kind of imagine that it's creating books or a whole library for you. So each and every one of us has our very own personal library with thousands and thousands and thousands of books. And because we have so many books, we need our own personal librarians. And that is who we often refer to as the Akashic record keepers or the Akashic masters or beings of light. Because there's not just one, there are many in service to you to help you understand, remember, reclaim some of this amazing information about who you are as this beautiful, infinite, divine, wise soul. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like having a big team, (laughs) right? Now, one of the reasons I chose you specifically for, uh, as an Akashic record reader, is because you as a soul have a high-level expertise on the other side before incarnating into this life. And I really want you to share that story with the audience because it's awesome. Oh. <laughs> so um, let's see, I'm not 100% sure which story you're speaking about, but what the record keepers said to me when they asked me many, many years ago, they said, Please help us to um, really anchor the vibration of the Akashic field back to earth. And we want you to start a school and teach people. And at that point, I was a mom in the suburbs with a little, you know, um, well, a lot of little babies. (laughs) And I, I looked at them, you know, with my third eye and said, what are you nuts? I mean, (laughs) why me? I've got all these kids. I'm overwhelmed. You're crazy. You got the wrong woman here. (laughs) And so the why me apparently is what they answered. And they said, because you were one of us. And I said, wow, really? I had no idea that was even possible. And so they said, really, the way some of these things work is that when a soul originally in um, incarnate, well, not incarnate, sorry, <laughs> when a soul individuates from source, we go on a journey and some of us go into this field of energy that is known as the Akasha. And we decide, I want to kind of study up on what's out there before I go on a random journey. And so we go into this big, 
etheric library and we start studying and sometimes we stay and we become Akashic record keepers ourselves. And they said, that's what you did. And then after whatever, thousands or millions or billions of years, <laughs> you know, no time and space. So um, then you decided to go on your journey and you went to all sorts of other realms and worlds and planets. And you've been very galactic and traveling all over. And now you've been on Earth forever. And so <laughs> they said, I've had almost a thousand lifetimes on Earth, which I find very appalling. What am I, that slow? It takes me a thousand lifetimes to figure this out. <laughs> anyway, so when they said all of that, I thought, wow, how can you say no to that, right? <laughs> so, of course, they convinced me and I said, yes, I will start a school and I will do whatever you ask. So that's been my journey for the last 30 years. Oh. Well, we'll get more into that, but that was exactly the story I wanted to make. <laughs> very, very telepathic because I really like to have people who are expertise, have a huge expertise and nothing like working for millions of years <laughs> as an Akashic <laughs> record librarian anyway. So, so we're in good hands. <laughs> so um, when you now, when you ask the record keepers to answer simply one question, which was, what really is our sole purpose? What did they answer you? To, to uh, follow your soul's plan. There you go. There <laughs> you go. Can't be easier than that. Thus, why everyone needs an Akashic record reading. <laughs> right, because the the truth about your soul's plan, which is this third book that'll be coming out this fall, um, your soul's plan is complicated, <laughs> right? Oh. And so I always find it interesting because I have so many clients who come to me and they're like, what's my purpose? And I always feel a little bit bad because I'm like, well, the new good news is most of us have three to six purposes, and that would be, um, you know, to write a book, to have a family, to support these souls, to share this gift, to write, do a bunch of sharing of our old gifts. And so it's never a job description. It's not like um, to get a job at, you know, this company. It's always much bigger and they intertwine and overlap. And so purpose is, you know, when we think what's my purpose, it's, it's not one thing. It's really following through on this whole huge plan we set out for ourselves. And that includes supporting other people and sharing our gifts and learning and growing as a soul, because Part of our main reason for coming to Earth is always to learn and to grow and to develop as, as a soul. That is so true. And that's the purposes of why you teach. And the purposes of our shows is for people who are curious, because I can't imagine what it's like not to be curious and not to be interested in growing, since that is the reason for soul evolution. So, okay. So here's the next shocker question. Ready? <laughs> 
Okay, so people, I heard you mention that there tends to be an average number of lifetimes that it takes to work through patterns, abandonment, ancestral lineage work when one incarnates on Earth or Terra, as she's called galactically. So do you want to share with people what you found out? And and people, um, don't freak out. Okay. (laughs) So what they told me was that it takes most of us about 600 to 800 lives to complete this kind of karmic wheel of life and all of the learning and the growth. So 800, I figured, I thought I was appalled at that many, many, many years ago. And then they came along recently and said, yeah, but you've been coming about a thousand times. (laughs) That's why I was like, what am I really that stupid? You've got to be kidding. But the truth is, they also were very kind and said, and many of us come back again and again to assist. To serve and help. Yeah, that small print there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the time we go, am I done helping yet? And they're like, yes, of course. You know, but you can always come back if you want. And then here I am again, you know. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here. I really am. And you've been so prolific and such a beautiful example. I'm just thrilled for this show today. Now, it was about you and I end up living close to each other, which is really fun. And uh, folks, I'm going to have my own reading with her in a couple of days. So that'll be fun. Um, Now, in our neck of the wood, it's a very mover shaker place and very has been, you know, sets trans way ahead of time. It's Marin County, Northern California. So it was about 20 years ago that I started hearing about Akashic Record readers. Why didn't we hear about that before? I'd like you to tell people a little bit about the history and what that was. Absolutely. So I'll give you my little story because I think stories are more fun. (laughs) So, um, Many, many, many years ago, probably 35, 30, 35 years ago, I was um, more of a psychic energy healer. And every once in a while, I would be doing a reading and I would get this huge, expansive information all about like everything, right? It was not just, oh, kind of this life and what's in their energy field or their, their chakra system or their aura. It was like, Whoa, everything, their past lives, their future, their plans. It really was kind of the beginning of the kind of soul plan information I I was starting to receive. And I'd think, wow, that was amazing. I wonder what that was. (laughs) And I was a little slow on the uptake. I never thought to say, who am I speaking to? Who has this big booming voice? Anyway. The silly thing is it went on for almost five years before I finally got that it was the Akashic Record Keepers. And so um, I was familiar. I had been told about the Akashic Records when I was doing my my healing training and my psychic training. And um, but I was taught that you can go up to the gate of the Akashic record for your client and get healing energy and information for them, but you were never allowed to go into the Akashic record. And so 
that's I could see a little energy coming down and filling up that filling my clients up as I was finishing doing a healing. And never in my wildest dreams imagined that they would actually speak to me. So after about five years, they got my attention well enough. And I got like, this is the record keeper speaking to you. And I was like, what? How, how can that be? I was told that you can't go in the records. And so what they explained to me was that back in the dark ages, so around 1000 AD, they, the record keepers, pulled the vibration away from planet Earth. I believe it really coincided in many energetic ways with um, kind of the end of the the Mayan the Mayans, like the Mayans kind of disappearing also, because the Mayans are believed to be have been the record keepers on Earth. A lot of that energy was connected. So they said during the dark ages, people were misusing the information they could get in the Akashic field to win wars, find gold, you know, really to do whatever they damn well placed, right? So they were like, so they said, obviously, the vibration on earth and the conscious level of people is not high enough for them to have access to this huge amount of information. And so they pulled the energy away so that the regular muggles on the planet could no longer access the information that only the mystics and the wise beings, you know, the shaman or or the monks or, or the mystics could still access this energy and information, but the average people could not. And so They pulled the vibration away. So we kind of lost that connection. We lost that memory. It left Earth. And so it wasn't until um, around 1970 when the record keeper said, it's time, right? We're moving into uh, a, a new age, right? We're moving into the age of Aquarius. The vibration is higher. We're moving into a new golden age over the next couple hundred years, right? We're, we're, this is the golden age we're creating right now. And they said, it's time, it's important. And so they basically said to me, you know, we've tapped a lot of shoulders over the years, right? Um, you know, but few respond. Mm. And so, um, and I really understood that because I was tempted to think I was crazy also, <laughs> or when they said, start a school, I'm like, they had so much work. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? So, you know, tempting to say, oh, that's crazy. Um, but I felt the call so strongly personally that I said, yes, of course. You know, I have always felt very honored to to be invited to, to bring this, to help, um, to bring this work back to humanity. And so. And you're the perfect person for it because you did it for millions of years too (laughs) there you go well and then you're you're cutting you know you're cutting edge you're providing a school and all that now let me backtrack just a second so there are guardian record keepers that oversee the records can you explain to people who they are Mm. uh 
what they're a part of or if they're connected to source, you know, sure. that kind of thing. Yes, thank you. Because that's, of course, very important for people to understand that um, what the record keepers are not is they're not ascended masters. They are not angels. They are not your loved ones who have crossed over. Right? They have never been human. So what they are is pure source energy, really pre-journey. So as I mentioned, um, what the record keepers had said to me was when we individuate from source, most of us go off on a journey through the universes and galaxies, and we go out and have fun and play out there in the in the big grand worlds. Um, and some of us stop to study. I was talking to a, a good friend of mine today, and we're planning, um, I'm planning a trip to Scotland next month. Mm. And um, I realized I spend so much time researching, reading books, you know, of course, travel websites, all of these different things. I research and research. I've got a stack of papers I've printed out, you know, and and um, I thought, oh, I was probably a great librarian. That must be where, where this came from, you know. I'm reading- and, and cosmic researcher. A cosmic researcher. So it just is all kind of part and parcel of who I am. I, I always find it a little bit funny. But um, so what they say is that these are just pure beings of, of source energy and light. And because they've not been on their own journey, they have no um, judgment. They have no kind of filters or beliefs or thoughts. So it's interesting often when um, someone will come to me for a reading, sometimes they'll get on the phone and they'll say, I'm kind of nervous, you know, like I'm afraid what they're going to think. And I'm like, nope, they have zero judgment. They're pure love, just pure love. Doesn't matter. You, it, it honestly doesn't matter what you know what you've done or what you think you've done that's been so awful because they have no judgment they want to help us and support us to see the bigger picture to understand why we sometimes make decisions or choices that maybe were not what we consider you know good um so but they themselves are pure source beings of light and love and and so and the healing is phenomenal because we do the healing in this quantum field of source and there is no time space in the quantum field. And so it's really makes it easy for me to see all these different lifetimes and heal them because you're in the quantum field. <laughs> so <laughs> it's an amazing it's place. Simultaneous, to work. Right. That's why it can happen so quick. That is so comforting because most people one of the reasons we're not more telepathic is people are still holding shame and self-judgment and things and they don't want secrets to be known we have to get past all of that and so it's so wonderful that they have uh the akashic record keepers who hold this pure unconditional loving support and um are kind of innocent in an interesting way you know in, in, in a way now now can you also share your understanding of angels and does that relate to the record keepers are completely different and how many angels are oh interesting people? Yeah. and also some humans say they were angels and others say you can't be angels so 
(laughs) (laughs) So I'm interested on your take on all of that. Sure, absolutely. So um, you can be angels. This is what, I mean, everything I know came from the record keepers. And and usually one of the reasons I love to do... um, readings, you know, Akashic Record consultations and healing sessions because people ask the most amazing questions and I get information that I probably never would have thought of asking, right? Because anyway, I wouldn't. So, but what, so, so here's a couple of interesting layers I've gotten and what we often many of us began as very big angels, right? Like seraphim or Elohim angels. And then because it's like when you individuate from source, you're such a huge energy. You really don't fit in a little human body. And and as we know, as we go, we have aspects of us, of that huge um, soul, aspects of us having all of these lives in all these places, planes and dimensions, really all at the same time. If you can kind of wrap your brain around it, I just don't even try because I don't know that the human brain is capable. But so they they said to me a long time ago that I was seraphim Mm -hmm. and also very galactic. So when they asked me to start the school, I said, again, why me? I must have had a lot of self-doubt. And so um, they said, because you've been a galactic traveler for so long, you've, you're you not like, you know, a lot of times now people think, oh, I'm a star seed from the Pleiades, or I'm from Sirius, or I'm from Arcturus, or I'm from Orion. But for most of us, that might be the last place you lived in that galactic memory. But Many, I would say, or or most of us probably even, have traveled to multiple worlds. And so I think when I look back at um, wonderful TV shows that we grew up on, like Star Trek, right? You're like, that was me, (laughs) you know? And so, um, so what the record keepers had said was, because you're so galactic, you can channel all these different access prayers to help all the different star seeds open their own records. So back in the 70s and 80s and even 90s, and, and I think probably still, there's a couple different schools, but each one of them usually has kind of the ones who use the kind of access prayer system um, to move you into the energy. Um, as far as I know, they only have one prayer. Mm-hmm. And the two or three that I'm familiar with have are all Pleiadian because mm-hmm. that was the first prayer was a Pleiadian prayer. So when they said, we'll give you all these different access prayers, I was like, sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. Absolutely. And so I have now channeled eight different access prayers, which are, you know, with different um so there's a Syrian prayer and a Pleiadian prayer and an Arcturian prayer and an Orion prayer. And there's actually an angel prayer because going back to angel story, a lot of us have also been guardian angels in life between lives. Mm-hmm. We can't go quite back to being seraphim in that way. But when we're in this kind of human karmic cycle pattern, which is now over, and we'll talk more about that, but um, we can go and be guardian angels for others. And so 
it, for many of us, we've been angels in in both ways, kind of the original big angels and then kind of the life between life guardian angels, because everyone has at least three guardian angels. So I also channeled that access prayer, the angel access prayer. Recently, I just downloaded the um, an Andromeda, Andromedan prayer and a Lyran prayer. Yes. And then there's one that I call the galactic traveler. And that is the for people like me who have spent a lot of lives on starships. <laughs> yes. Well, that was another reason. Thank you so much that I was attracted to you. And we talked about that. We're going to do part two, folks, when she gets back to Scott from Scotland, because that will be a mystical experience, mm-hmm. which will have more downloads. And I was attracted to you because you're not just talking about the earth, Akashic records, you are expanding into my passion, which is everyone remembering that they are truly universal galactic humans. So we'll we'll get into that for the second part, but we want to do enough of the introduction uh, as you're doing beautifully. I just love, love, love your stories and explanation. Have you ever run into a human archangel? Um. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, rare. <clears throat> Definitely mm-hmm. very rare. No, I'm going to say, uh, no, is it? Mm. So I definitely <laughs> run into Seraphim and Elohim angels embodied as humans. Um, every once in a while, there is a human that holds a big aspect of one of the archangels. Again, pretty rare. I maybe bump into, I'm going to say a half a dozen a year, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, it's fa- it is fascinating, you know, and then, and then if we can start to access one of the things that we're connecting when we start to learn to access our own Akashic records, we can ask exactly, you know, who have I been? Where have I lived? What else have I done? Or what other aspects of me are actually still out there doing that? Exactly. And that's where we get into the whole multidimensional experience. Now, I Really want you. It's a great story. And many of our Starseed listeners and and new people on board are going to relate and love your story because I always like to ask people, what was your awakening? Because people are still awakening. I certainly am. I'm in the process of awakening. And you have the best story (laughs) when you're really young. So please share that. Oh, I'd love to. Absolutely. So my really first memory um, was when I was about three years old. And I really remember standing in the kitchen with my mother and Um, I was probably trying to tell her I didn't like whatever it was she was cooking because I was just never a big fan of food. (laughs) And and so I was probably trying to describe or tell her something. And and I just remember thinking, like, why isn't she understanding me? Kind of looking at my hands and thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm trapped in a body. (laughs) And it was like, it was a bit of a panic. It was that kind of shocking, like, (gasps) oh. Oh, no. And telling her, you know, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go home. I want to go back. And my poor mom, I always say, oh, my poor mother. (laughs) She'd be like, but you are home, honey. You know, 
<laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and of course, I was born to basic atheists, you know, agnostics back in the day. And it was the 60s, right? And people were leaving religion and going for science. And that kind of made a lot of agnostics back in the day. Um, and so it was pretty. Was three years old? Yeah. When you had this first realization. When like, I had that first realization. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I think they thought I was a little crazy, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but then um when I was 13, so so what I realized happens, and and I've met quite a few little ones, you know, toddlers who kind of have that same reaction to the world. And um Usually their parents don't understand what they're talking about when they say, I want to go home. But they're aware that that they can remember being, you know, part of the etheric world. And my memory at three was I could imagine myself, I could remember myself and my friends, like my two best friends, the three of us in kind of etheric bodies. Um telepathically conversing and not having to use all these words. And so, so it was, your, excuse yeah. me for a sec, these are your two best friends and you incarnated here, but all sharing your memories uh, of being light body. Beings. Well, that was my memory of us before, you know, before embodying. And then I had these two best friends. So then um, I met them. Well, I met the first one not long after, probably I was four and our parents became best friends and she and I became best friends. And then in um, in first grade, we met we met another friend Then the three of us became friends, you know, kind of best friends. And and Shuby, my best my first best friend lived across the street. Her parents moved across the street from us and we walked to school and we walked home and we spent the night at each other's house and we were like sisters. And, um, and then Marsha became our third, um, dear close soul sister. We just, you know, how you have those people, you know, sometimes once in a lifetime that just, you just know you've known them forever. And that's what, what they were. They were my soul sisters. And, um, what happened when I was about 13, Marsha went into the hospital with really bad headaches and, um, she had brain surgery and she never woke up from her coma. And during that kind of experience, it triggered my memory of having been a healer and feeling like I should be able to heal her. And I'm like 13 years old, right? And I'm like, I don't even know how to pray. I've never even been to church. So I don't, and I kept thinking, I need to pray. I need to, I need to heal her. And um, so it really kind of triggered my remembering even more of other lifetimes and my purpose or one of my purposes. And, um, and then she actually crossed the the next day. And so that was very, very traumatic, but it woke me up at that point of, you know, being like a teenager at 14, I literally started to read all the spiritual books I could 
could find. Um, and it was the early 60s. My parents had just moved to California. Baba Ramdas wrote Be Here Now back in 68. I think that was the first book I picked up off of my parents' coffee table. So I, that's, that kind of started my spiritual studies at, you know, 13, 14. So, um, and TM and all that movement. All of that, right? All of that was just coming, you know, to the United States, you know, and was really just kind of part of my my path. And so I started studying it when I was in high school. And, you know, I always laugh. I say my favorite book was called Journeys Out of the Body. I was I was still trying to escape. I'm like, okay, Journeys Out of the Body? How do I get out of here? <laughs> We understand that there's always reasons for everything, but when you, you had this two best friends, soul sisters dying, did you do the thing like a lot of people do, which is give up any trust of source or anything? Did you go through a whole kind of darker night of the soul thing? I did for a very long time, as a matter of fact. So after Marsha crossed, for me, that was kind of the trigger to wake me back up again. And then from there, I you know, content, I started studying, right? I kept, I studied everything I could through high school. And I actually studied philosophy at the university and, and Shubi and I were good friends and we, you know, kind of try and figure out what happened and why did she die? And this is unfair, but we still had each other. And so um, I was continuing on my spiritual path, you know, just happily reading everything I could and trying to figure out the universe and, you know, in the process. Um, And then at 19, she be died in a really freak car accident. And that's, that's what totally triggered my dark night of the soul. That's what I just said. How could you take my two soul sisters from me? I've been abandoned. I I was more than angry at source. And I basically uh, kind of flipped off the world and <laughs> source. And I said, so what do humans come to do? And, and I, you know, I could work, make money, travel, have fun, party. I don't know. At that point, it was, you know, the 70s in California. And so... partying was high on my list of things to do. Um, And so I basically just wrote off my whole spiritual path. I went and got a job in, uh, in advertising. I actually had a degree in commercial photography. I got a job in advertising and uh, traveled around the world and drank way too much. Did every drug that came by San Francisco in the seventies. So um, it was a wild time. And you know, I experienced life, which, you know, in hindsight, I think is interesting because, of course, many years later, um, I also experienced what many of us humans do is we experience a lot of guilt and shame and regret. And, oh, my gosh, I I could have been a I could have been a healer at 21 or whatever, you know, instead of 35, because I wasted 15 years. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, and the record keepers, this is a good story about them. I I said, did I just totally blow it? I was so conscious. And they, of course, they laugh (laughs) and they say, of course not, dear one. You know, you were exploring the world. You were understanding humanity. You were right experiencing life. And they said you would not be anywhere nearly as relatable, 
relatable, compassionate, all of that, non-judgmental, if you hadn't done all the things you did, right? Because of everything I did, there's no way I could judge anyone else. (laughs) It was like, oh, that makes sense. Thank you. Exactly. Wow. So you basically, it's wonderful because you had the whole human experience. You came in with actually memory, then yeah. doing like what is what's so common, right? With the younger kids, I always like telepathize them going, how are you doing stuck in that really small body? And they start <laughs> cracking up, you know, you can't share that with the parents, but they just start laughing. <laughs> like not really good. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know it's crazy. So you did that, then you did the whole party thing. Now, uh, when okay, a couple things going on. Then you basically did the whole worldly thing. So let's talk about soul contracts and kids and stuff. So how did that mm. all enter in? Well, once I kind of had done that whole crazy thing, and I been in advertising and I've made money and I've traveled a bunch and I had a lot of fun and all of the above. Then I got married. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm 30. I should be getting married. (laughs) And so um, I got married and, um, and my husband loves kids. And I always thought, well, maybe one, maybe two, you know, and, um, when I married him, he had a house that had like five bedrooms. And he said, oh, we'll fill it up. And I'm like, over my dead body, right? <laughs> Again, one, maybe two. Anyway, um, so um, and then it was very odd because we tried for many, many years to to have a child. And, and it took four years or so before we had our first um, child. So and I was 38 when he was born. So now I'm getting older. And so he was about 11 months old. And um, I said, well, I guess if we're going to have, you know, another kid, we better hurry because last time it took four years and I'm not getting any younger here. Right. (laughs) And so um, it turns out I got pregnant right away with twins, identical twins. Right. (laughs) So they're only a year and a half younger than their brother, identical twin girls. And their brother. So all of a sudden, I had a one and a half year old newborn baby twins, and my nephew moves in with us, and he's fourteen. And so, um, all of a sudden, I literally went from like one to four, <laughs> virtually overnight. Right? Oh Thus, all the bedrooms. There it is. Fill up the house. I did. Okay. I'm like, and so, you know, these are the kind of the funny things. Having the records has been such a life saving um, bit of wisdom for me because I, at that point, thought, okay, this is crazy. I'm 40 40 years old now. I have three babies under two and a teenager. And I was, I never figured I was cut out to be a mom anyway. I was not, that was not my thing, right? And so, you know, some people always want to be mothers and I didn't anyway. But mm-hmm. um, So I said to the record keeper something like, what the hell is going on here? You know, I go to victimhood, which I always think is interesting. And um, 
And they again laugh at me and they say, you wrote four soul contracts with four souls to be their mother. And they had to figure out how to get in. And so (laughs) I had, um, yeah. So the girls came in together and. (laughs) Oh my God. There you go. Just like, okay, we got to go now. We got to go in now or we're not going to make it. Now or never. That's for sure. Right. And so, um, yeah, so it was interesting. And my nephew who came to obviously my, my brother and his wife, um, he had come in longer ago and, um, and, you know, he became our fourth child. He kind of moved in with us and, and, uh, pretty much stayed. So now I have a grandbaby, which is very exciting for, you know, and, uh, um, and it's wonderful. You know, it's was one of those very surprising things to me. (laughs) You also were able to um, take it from, you know, a little bit of the, you know, victim feeling like, oh my God, overwhelmed, understandably, too, because you now had access to the soul contracts How, you know, how many kids did you have a soul contract for, you know, and then you could put it and you're like, okay, all right. right, So we're just going to do this all at the same time. Yeah. Which, which moves you into co-creator rather than victim. Absolutely. That's one of the signs of, we don't like to label here. Labeling is misused here, but you'll, you'll get what I'm talking about. One of the signs of the lessons learned when you're quote, a younger soul versus an older soul is the victim versus understanding you have choices and stuff. Right. Yeah. Wanna, do you want to? Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that's interesting is that, um, you know, as humans, we're often kind of raised in that energy and vibration. So all of us, no matter how awake we are, um, that is the collective energy is much more of the low vibrations of shame, blame, guilt, fear, all of those lower vibrations. That's what we are living in on our planet or have been. We're breaking through that. But um, so it's common for, for, uh, you know, most of us to go at least maybe it's a toe into victimhood or whatever. Um, Some of us only wallow there. But to me, what I've realized is that having access to your own Akashic records really allows you to understand the bigger picture and immediately, you know, kind of pull you out of that pattern. So for me, when I was like, oh my gosh, like what the heck and why did this happen? And this is crazy. They're like, you wrote the contracts. And I was like, oh, oh, you're right. Okay. Sorry. I'm Mm -hmm. good. You know, so it just just immediately would right wake me up and make me go, oh, oh, you're right. My yeah. choice, I just forgot. And again, that is, you know, one of the kind of the big pictures of working in the records. We embody, we forget, right? We're, we're, we come in, we have immediate amnesia. We'd have no idea that our soul wrote a plan or what might be in it. All of those relationships that are supportive and or challenging and or have karma attached, right? Which are usually the challenging ones. Mm -hmm. We often feel like, 
a victim if we have, um, say we have terribly uh, alcoholic or abusive or, or narcissistic or what we have parents who have stuff. And so we often will think, what's wrong with me? We go to um, low self-worth, low self-esteem, doubt. We blame ourselves for those, that family. Um, or, you know, we go to victimhood because we have such a terrible family. But the truth is, is that we as souls pick this to learn and grow, to sometimes help or and support those people to break um, patterns, right? There is a huge, huge collective um, mm-hmm. soul contract on the planet about ending abuse for the world, for humanity. And that means that probably 60, 70, 80% of the light workers have picked abusive families in order to end that abuse and not pass it on because it's been passed on for thousands of years. So when we can look at a a childhood, and it doesn't mean it's any the less awful or horrific or sad or painful or any of those things. It just means that we as that big ancient soul said, I've got this. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to end that pattern in that family, in that ancestral lineage. I'm going to do my own work around compassion and forgiveness. I'm going to help to change these patterns on the planet. Yes. And when we can look at at life that way instead of, you know, I got screwed and I have this awful world and life. And so I think I'll just drink myself to death, right? I mean, so there's your kind of choices, simplistically. Right, or the over-anxiety. That's so important, especially at this time, um, to remember that. Because, of course, we're making these decisions from knowing we're infinite and immortal. You know, it's kind of like, okay, I can, I will, end of story. And then you get here. (laughs) Right, very oblivious. Holy... Yeah. So that is such an important story. Now, you, okay, let's talk about your abilities. So obviously, you had knowingness when you were young, but also, you were evidently clairaudient, because you were hearing like a booming voice at a young age. So so explain that a little bit for people. Well, you know, I remember as a child, um, you know, I guess you would say clairvoyant. I I kind of joke about my clairvoyance because I say my clairvoyance needs glasses. So I get pictures, but they're very out of focus. (laughs) It's kind of, kind of silly, but it works for me. And I'll try to explain that. But so kind of imagining or, or remembering the souls, like me and my soul sisters in this etheric realm, just communicating without all these words. And knowing that it was like, oh my God, I'm trapped in a body and all those things. And so, yeah. Um, and I, and I used to, um, see ghosts and that was upsetting. And I'd always have to send them away. Like, okay, bye, please, please, please. I don't want that. You know? So I actually closed down a lot of my gifts as a child. So when the kind of big booming voice came back through, I had I had really trained as an energy healer for um, many, many years. And um, so, you know, weird clairvoyance. Um, I don't know. I I think always a little bit of clairaudience. I think most of us are clairaudient. We just don't realize that that is either 
it for 90% of us, it's in our head, in our voice, right? People say, but it sounds like me. It's like, that's just the way it works. The booming voice um, came through because they were trying for five years to get my attention and I was very dense. So <laughs> right. it's like they used to yell at me because that was the only way to get my attention. <laughs> Actually, kind of funny, funny story. Um, I was teaching uh, people to access their records once I, I used to do, I had a little healing center near me here and in Marin. And um, so I was teaching a, a a class where I would train people to become um, Akashic record readers and consultants. And so I'm teaching them how to do this. And we had an odd number of students in the class. So somebody had to do a reading for me. And, you know, that's always so hard for a student, right? It's like, I got to read the teacher, right? And I said, I'm really easy to read, right? My records are open books. It's I'm very easy to read. Don't worry. Don't worry. Anyway, so I give them simple questions, right? I'm trying to make it easy for them first time kind of thing. And. I'm looking at this young woman and she's looking at me and her, her face kind of crumbles and she gets all teary. And I think, God, what's wrong? Am I like going to die? Is something wrong? Right. Right. <laughs> I said, are you okay? What's wrong? And she said, they're yelling at me. Right. And I literally I started laughing. I'm like, oh, they're just loud because I'm very dense. <laughs> Unconditional yelling. <laughs> Unconditional love yelling. They're just loud. I'm like, okay, you can turn the volume down. It's good. We got it. <laughs> anyway, that was very oh, that funny. That's a cute story. That yeah. Is- that is so cute. Now, you know, some people now we know you te- you're teaching, you're, you yeah. teach how to for people to read Akashic Records. And we all have our own insecurities around that. And some of us aren't even really that great at meditating. So does this require meditating? Like, um, talk to people a little <laughs> bit about what's involved in that. Okay, right. Absolutely. Um, so no, it doesn't require meditating. I know that there are some paths to the Akashic Records where you would like do a deep meditation for an hour and maybe you could access that energy. But to me, that was way too hit or miss and um, hard because I'm a little bit of a hyper person, honestly. So I'm not good at sitting still for an hour or two at like, I had friends who'd be like, oh, I meditate for three hours a day. And I'm like, wow, you don't have three babies in diapers. (laughs) 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 So when the record keeper said, please help us, we will give you this five-step wisdom prayer system. They didn't actually say it that way, but they said, we'll give you um, vibrational keys in the form of an access prayer to teach people to open their records. And really over the years of the work, we it, it's become a five-step wisdom prayer system. So there's an uh, an intention for clarity prayer. There's the access key prayer. We work in the records. Then there's a, um, and I call them prayers. It's very different than kind of a religious type prayer. It's 
just a word, but it, you know, it's the information to then fill up with your highest Akashic energy and then close and lock the record. So it's turned into kind of this beautiful five-step wisdom prayer system. And so you do not need to meditate at all. It's it energetically is very phenomenal because um you can read the prayer and energetically feel the energy shift. And I will actually do this with the group. I'll open the group records to do some clearing of, of vows or um, out-of-date contracts and release any some of the energies that's kind of blocking abundance and things like that. So, so people may very well feel that energy shift if you're really clear uh, sentient, right? If you're a sensitive, an empath, you might really feel it. People often feel that kind of as a swirly energy or a shift in energy. So um, it's simple, five-step wisdom prayer system. And I do online. Um, now I, I do almost everything online. I rarely teach in person, although it's kind of fun. Every once in a while, I'll I'll do a long weekend workshop in Sedona or some something like that. I taught in Glastonbury, um, England, a cup, well, pre-COVID, right? Quite a few years ago. Um, so it's fun to do events that way, but otherwise it's easier for everybody just to do them. You know, I do live Zoom calls. So I'm holding the energy, teaching you the five-step wisdom prayer system. I have manuals and tools. And so um, kind of meditative tools, but even the meditations they give me are like, 10 minutes. They're more of a tool like to call back your energy or or to create a beautiful rainbow shield and hmm. different sorts of tools in kind of meditative form. But again, it's more like a guided visualization is probably a better word for it. So no, you don't have to meditate for 25 years before you can access your records. <laughs> well, that's, that's important because yes. um, it's available to everyone now. Mm -hmm. And it's a question of uh, guidance with you. So they can they can do this online and sign mm -hmm. up on, online right. and all of that. Now, yeah. um, before we get to uh, the um, beautiful period where we're going to release, where you're going to guide us through releasing old contracts, uh, I have something that's rather um, controversial to say, but I have felt this way for 10 years, and I'm wondering your take on this. Sure. I think we're moving uh, away from linear concepts to awakening to our multidimensional being. So that means just for a simple way of explaining it, that all time is simultaneous and space. So to me, karma under that context of multidimensionality is completely nullified and neutralized as long as you have complete self-forgiveness and forgiveness of all others, which sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. So tell me your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I completely agree. I, I, the record keepers uh, quite a few years ago um, said that all karma has been really completed in these higher energies. I, I think it's it's very complicated, but 
energetically on earth, we as souls who come to earth have gotten kind of stuck in a a pattern and a program which has created this kind of wheel of karmic life and and it's sucked really for a very long time. And so not only are we and many of us and I actively work in in the process of unwriting deep programming, unweaving a lot of these um, energies that create this this matrix that we call earth um, so that we can shift into this higher vibrational, you know, Gaia, eventually Terra, there are different levels of earth in higher vibrations. And so, um, so many, many, many of us are really working on that that job, that pattern that, you know, and so in the, in the quantum field, I can do that, which is one of the reasons I love doing group healings, right? So it's always just a joy and a blessing to get a bunch of people together to do this, because when we clear these old karmic patterns and we clear these old vows in these out of time contracts that keep us stuck, um, that's more earthbound. It's not really part of who we are as that huge infinite soul. So yes, karma is complete. And now it's up to us to forgive ourselves, to forgive whoever, to be compassion, to really do our own work and, and let it go from our, our energy field so that we can move forward with, with grace, with ease and grace. Well, thank you. I'm so glad I asked you that because, uh, I had some friends who really firmly believed in karma and they would give me a hard time. And I said, no, I'm just not feeling it. I'm feeling like what, you know, it's an old school teaching. It was useful when you had young souls, they're acting like animals or worse and just gave them all these rules. But now it's like, we're breaking free. Period. Those that want to. Right. Right. So um, thank you. Thank you for that. And um, before we go into the uh, part that I really consider the most important that you just shared is where you're guiding us through releasing old, worn out soul contracts, vows, and even something called curses, which, <laughs> which, which shocked me. But I had a friend who was told by a intuitive that her family lineage had curses on them. Have you ever run into that? Oh, plenty. Absolutely. Wow. So like just clearing, clearing the palette through. Yes. Well, yes. And I always kind of laugh because sometimes, you know, clients will come and they'll be like, can you clear all the soul contracts, all the karma, all the everything? And of course, (laughs) the record keepers laugh and they say, you know, if we actually did that, then you would be so unanchored. You would most likely leave your body. (laughs) Well, that's a good point. Right. So that's a good point. Yeah. Part of all the patterns are for us to actually um, embody the teaching or the learning, the soul growth, to be able to to really own whatever it was, the lesson, and and often to be able to um, share that wisdom or that light or that vibration then with other people. So so we really do come here to kind of learn and grow um, in that way too. And that part of this old trauma and drama and challenges is about the soul growth. So um, we can't just erase it all right in an instant, but 
but again, you know, we can go through layers and layers and layers and layers um, for people. And so we will absolutely clear whatever is up for you to let go of, right? <laughs> and um, there's especially things like old vows of poverty that we took in past lives when we were nuns or monks, you know, over the last 1,000 years, a lot of those vows of poverty really are pretty new and worthless. And so we want to, you know, let go of whatever that we can um, release, as well as those soul contracts, sometimes with groups. Maybe we were druids and we um, vowed to stay hidden so we weren't killed or um, we had a collective healing program with a, a group of healers or, or you know, whatever um, kind of spiritual path we were on back in the 1200s or whatever it was. And um, part of what we vowed, because there wasn't a lot of light on the planet back then, right? It was the dark ages. And so we would come together as groups and make a soul contract and vow to do all of our healing together as that collective, as that group, because we didn't have enough energy power alone. So we'd come together. And so these old contracts that say, I won't, I won't like do any healing by myself. I will only heal with my, my group, with my team. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. They're not helpful anymore <laughs> because it's your a, team might not be here. <laughs> of, it's a false sense of loyalty. Right. Yep. You know? Yeah. And That's we have so the light. We have the power. We have the ability to now to do it ourselves. And to do it with a, a group, to do group healing is profound because, you know, one person can heal hundreds or thousands mm -hmm. instead of it taking, you know, 10 or 12 of us to heal one, right? It was very different energy on the planet back then. It's so exciting. That is so important to express that because uh, I pretty much don't follow any groups at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, so uh, but we can have many, many vows from all these lifetimes that need to be released. So this is such important work you do. It is such a gift. Now, before we move into that, uh, a couple things, I'd like you to make clear that you're a conscious channel and what that means. Oh, me. absolutely. So, I connect to the Akashic record, to these beautiful beings of light. Um, and, and often when I do this work, I'm, I'm mostly connecting to my record keepers. But when I do this as a group, I'm not opening anyone else's specific records. So I don't need your permission. I need your specific permission to open your records. But as a group, we can um, bring in this collective with everyone who thinks, yes, 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 I want to join into this healing it will um, open the collective records of everyone who is listening to this interview, right? So you can then have your record keepers help specifically with your healing, which is also how come we can make it so much um, more powerful with just kind of me doing the work because it's me and all of your record keepers and mine, right? So the collective is these huge beings of light who are here in support to you. So, you know, all you have to do is, yes, I want this healing. Um, and then, you know, we'll do this work. And now I just totally drew a blank on, on what the rest of the question was. <laughs> 
That's all right. No, that that was answer that the question. Con- that you're a conscious channel. Oh, conscious channel. Yeah. And, and right. no, no person comes in and right. takes you over all right. that. Right. Right. So, so basically I am clairvoyant, clairvoyant, claircognizant, clairsentient. So I access all of my clairs. So I hear them, feel them, you know, um, can bring the quantum Akashic light source energy through kind of my body, my hands, but they don't come into my body. So conscious channeling, it's very different than being a full body channel. Uh, it's more that I can um, hear them, see them, you know, receive all that information. So I say what they say, but they don't speak through me. Good. Cause that's a very important distinction yes. nowadays with yes, all yes. the uh, discernment needed. Right. And that's how I teach people. So again, in that same way, I don't want to try and teach people to channel a being because it's a very different process and not everyone's body is made to be a channel. Mm-hmm. And so being a conscious channel really means that you are connecting to the energy and you can hear them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's like source or your higher self or your, right. you know, you don't have to go through any middle men and middle women <laughs> necessarily for that. Right. I, I go straight into the Akashic records, right past higher self, kind of up into the Akashic field, right up to source, up to the records and talk to these beautiful beings of light who are there just waiting to be in service to us. Okay. So folks at this point, uh, before she starts the active guidance visualization, if any of you are not comfortable with erasing vows of poverty and different, you may wish to sign off now. And I thank you so much for your curiosity and uh, the rest of you may inwardly or outwardly say, I agree to have my soul contracts cleared and cleaned, you know, or however you wish to say that, but you need to give permission. And then she will proceed as a group consciousness. So everyone do that now or sign off and you go ahead, Lisa, at your own. So let's just all... Close your eyes, sit back if you are in a safe place to do that, and drop down into your heart center. We like to drop out of our head thinking mind down into our heart. Then we invite our soul to come more fully present down into our physical body as we get nice and grounded and we connect to Gaia beneath our feet. And we ask the divine lords of unconditional love to help us to fully in this moment as we create this sacred space. Please wrap us in your love and protection and allow us to travel to the highest realms of the Akasha available to us today. Please help as we lay our multidimensional hearts open to divine love, and release all resistance. Lords of the Akashic Record, please guide us to the deepest truths we can access now. Support us in healing and releasing that which no longer serves on our true path. 
We give great thanks for your divine love and support on this journey today. And just staying in your heart center, you may notice the beautiful energy of the Akashic field encircling you. You may feel the love of your record keepers, the love of source energy encircling you. And as we create this beautiful energy field all around the world, right here and right now in this present moment, we ask our Akashic Record Keepers to help us to clear and release any past life vows of poverty or present life vows of poverty that we may have taken through any time-space continuum, we ask to clear, release, delete those vows for our highest good and the highest good of all concerned as we recycle that energy. So when we make these vows, some of our energy gets stuck in that space. So we lose bits of energy through kind of out time as we create vows or stuck contracts or emotional pain in other lifetimes. And so we get to release the vow and reclaim the energy for your highest good. And we ask the record keepers to assist us in releasing any group contracts that we've made in any past life or any other lifetime in any community where we vowed and contracted to only heal as that collective group, we release, delete those old group contracts, which no longer serve us. And most of us have quite a few of those. We've been healers many times over the last 5,000 years. And so as we release those contracts, we reclaim our energy for our highest good right here and right now into this body now, into your body now. And we ask our Akashic Record Keepers to assist us in clearing any other soul contract that we might have had with one person that we contracted, again, as healers in other lifetimes. Or in this lifetime, we sometimes contract with a spiritual teacher or with a healer to work only with them. Um, And so it's not always conscious. So other lifetimes, soul contracts with one person where we've kind of contracted to devote ourselves to the teacher or to that healer. So we want to clear, release, delete those contracts because they also do not serve us anymore. Quite a few of those moving through. Remember to breathe. Let yourself breathe deeply. I end up blowing out the energy 
Um, sometimes people find themselves yawning or burping. That's all old energy moving through your body. Body wants to release it, right? That's why breathing deeply can be useful or blowing out whatever feels stuck in your body. And then within this lifetime, let's ask our record keepers to assist us in clearing any um, soul contracts from usually earlier in our life that are complete, right? So not all contracts are for a whole lifetime. We have a lot of short-lived contracts. Sometimes it's a short-lived relationship or even marriage, or sometimes it has to do even with our family of origin or maybe our birth family, but that we didn't grow up with. I mean, there's lots of varieties, but you don't have to know what it is, but we are asking our record keepers to assist us in clearing and releasing and freeing up our energy from these contracts, which are already complete and no longer serve. So sometimes we just have to consciously release them. And we ask the record keepers to also clear, release, delete any cords from those relationships. It's often kind of an old stuck cord or connection or kind of a hook. Sometimes they look like fish hooks and wires, whatever that might be. So you might feel some of those freeing up from your body. Oh. And then we ask our record keepers to go back to the beginning of wherever we started clearing in our, in that kind of <laughs> non-time space continuum wherever we start releasing energy and fill us. Of course, it's we're filling up ourselves in all of these different lifetimes in the quantum field, but we want to fill ourselves after clearing old energy with our highest Akashic wisdom light, our highest soul vibration, our highest physical level energy that we can now hold after clearing, releasing these old contracts or vows. Throughout the quantum field, time-space continuum, non-time-space continuum, however you think of it. Always want to replace any hole we create by releasing with our highest energy. And so they're doing that through the whole continuum. So you might feel that as beautiful golden light coming in high vibrational energy, and we ask our record keepers to upgrade our physical level blueprint. If there's a physical level blueprint to bring in to upgrade our physical bodies at this time, that's always lovely, especially right now, so much change with the energies and the light. We get new upgrades, which is exciting. <sighs> upgrading our light bodies after clearing some of these 
cords and hooks and contracts. And we ask our record keepers to help us bring everything into the perfect highest alignment in our physical body for ourselves in this life, this time continuum right here and now. And so it is. Hmm. And we thank our record keepers and we close and lock our group records for now. Blessed be. Ah. Bringing all of your soul energy back present into the body, getting nice and grounded, dropping all the way back down into your hips and all the way down your legs and feet as we reconnect to Gaia beneath our feet. Getting nice and grounded and opening your eyes when you're ready. Mm. Don't forget to drink your water. (laughs) Mm. Thank you so much for this important Mm. gift, Lisa. My pleasure. Talk about clearing third deal matrix drama, trauma, fear. <laughs> we can now transform our planet into heaven on earth, honoring our community here and one another as one humanity. Thank you mm. so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to do that with you, with the group. It's such a joy and blessing to be able to share this Akashic wisdom, light, and and energy with everyone. So why don't you feel free to let people know how to contact you, where to go, where to buy your books. It is really the easy answer is um, my website, which is Akashic Knowing. Um, and it, is, does that show up in the show notes or should I spell it? It will show things. up in the show notes. Okay, great. So Akashic Knowing and you will even, you'll see my books there, which are also available on Amazon, but you can um, book readings there. You'll see my upcoming classes. I will have a, um, a learning to access your Akashic records uh in September. So that will be coming up. And again, I usually teach it three or so times a year. And there's also home study classes. So if you're too excited to wait till September, (laughs) you can always um, do the home study version, which is all just pre-recorded and ready to go. And, And so it's Akashic, learning to access your Akashic records, course one. And that's where you start to do this work. And there's a course two and a whole career mastery and my books all on AkashicKnowing.com. Well, thank you so much. You are so radiant with joy and passion and exemplify someone doing your earth life in a grounded and grace-filled way. I'm so grateful that you came here. Thank you to speed the liberation of souls here on planet Earth Terra by providing a clear holistic map of our soul's agreement and purpose and for this joint community healing. Mm -hmm. So folks in fall time, we will do part two with Lisa and she'll share her most recent uh, post Scotland 
uh, galactic downloads from the Akasha Keepers that will honor ourselves as reincarnated galactic humans. And also a quick reminder that I put on podcasts, all these shows uh, through um, you were asking that to be so because these shows can be long and you can listen to them in shorter segments if you want. And also, if you found the show useful, which I can't imagine you not, <laughs> please remember to like, subscribe and share and donate if you can. So we can have high, keep up high, you know, quality videos with no ads. So thank you so much, Lisa. Happy journeys, trails, and I look forward to fall with you again. And thank you folks for your curiosity. And we are doing this and moving forward in unconditional love. Until next time, onwards and upwards. Thank you.